Hello guys, welcome back to the Talk Crystal Palace podcast. My name is Ollie. I hope you're having a good week. Um, good news from my end is I'm now going to Hartlepool. I thought I wasn't going. Uh, managed to get a spare ticket yesterday, so I will be at Selhurst for that game. I'm really, really excited. First time going with like, basically my whole family in 10 plus years, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, something I'm really excited about. This podcast is not about Hartlepool, hence the title. Um, it, this This idea was kind of twigged from from some news this week about Max Meyer, a former Palace player, joining uh, FC Michelland. That's shocking pronunciation, so sorry for any Danes listening. Um, he's joined them on loan from Fenerbahce. Obviously, they're a big team in Denmark, but in the context of Europe and in the context of Max Meyer's career, it, it certainly does represent a decline. I mean, I think since leaving Schalke, he's kind of been on a steady downhill. Let's be honest, we are a step down from Schalke, generally speaking, I think, maybe not in recent years, but they're a big club, especially when he played for them. And anyone who who's an avid user of Palace Twitter will know that Max Meyer is a topic of debate. He's a very, he kind of splits opinion quite drastically, actually, maybe even more than any other Palace player I've seen. Um, a lot of people really rated him, thought that he was excellent when he played for us. Uh, he wasn't given enough chances and that he was unfairly let go. Other people uh, just sim- simply think he wasn't good enough. Um, regardless, Roy's treatment of him certainly was was a contentious topic while he was at Palace. Uh, a lot of people saying that Roy Hodgson ruined Max Meyer. And you know, the reason he's not good enough is because we wasted crucial years in his development. Um, whilst, you know, I think that argument definitely has some legs. Um, it got me thinking about other players who, who have kind of been ruined by Roy, in inverted commas. Um, so that's going to be the topic of this podcast. Which players, you know, who have been accused of kind of being Royed, in inverted commas, do I think, you know, that was fair? Or do I think that in reality, they just weren't good enough uh, for the club? Um, I've got eight players, lift, li- nine players, sorry, listed here, which I'll go through one by one and explain my reasoning as to why I think Hodgson either was to blame um, and treated them unfairly, or they just simply weren't good enough to play for Crystal Palace. Now, the first one, uh, is Victor Camarasa, who I believe played a grand total of 30 league minutes, maybe not even that, in a 4-0 loss away at Spurs. Um, obviously, he joined us from Cardiff uh, at the start of the 2019-20 season. He'd really impressed at Cardiff. I think he was their player of the season last, uh, the year before um, when they went down. And I watched him a few times and I really, really rated him. Uh, but for whatever reason, under Roy... He just did not get a chance. I mean, it wasn't even that he got chances and didn't take them. He simply couldn't get a sniff. Now, currently, he is out with an ACL injury, I believe. So I don't think he's played this season. Um, but he's currently contracted to, to Real Betis in Spain. Um, before his season at Palace, he basically played consistently for every team he played for. He played for Levante, came through their academy, um, moved to uh, Alaves on loan. Uh, and then went to Betis in 2017, was loaned out to Cardiff, consequently to Palace, since went back to Alaves on loan, and as I said, is now injured with Betis. Now, he's an interesting one. I definitely think that he didn't get the chance he deserved at Palace. I think that's almost undeniable. He stood out in a poor team in the Premier League. And as I said, if he got given chances and didn't perform, then fair enough. But I didn't even, I never saw him play for Palace. I didn't see him play once. And I... I watch basically every game. I think the only game I missed basically was Spurs in the league. And that's the only one he, that's the only one he played in. Um, you know, the fact that he hasn't gone on to do much since leaving Palace, I don't think really matters. Um, you know, how old is he now? He is 27. So when he joined us, he was like 25. He was, you know, 
maybe in his prime years, you could argue in terms of his kind of athleticism. Um, but he was completely thrown out by Roy. And the reasons for that are still unbeknown to me. You know, we were playing some pretty shocking midfielders that season fairly regularly. Um, you know, James McCarthy was getting good game time in that. Uh, you know, players like like Townsend and Meyer were, were getting a lot of minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, a lot of minutes that season, I think. So, yeah, it, in my opinion, I think Victor Camarasa, he got roid. That is my first he got roid of the podcast. I think that's almost undisputable. Next up, we've got perhaps a little bit of a weird one. And one people will go like, what? Uh, and that is Tyrick Mitchell, uh, who was given a chance by Roy. Um, you know, he made his debut under Roy, played his first like real full season of Premier League football under Roy. Yet people still argued recently that Roy was choosing PVA over him too much and that he tried to ruin his development. Now, one thing I will say right now is Roy has never intentionally ruined anyone's development. Of course he hasn't. That's a complete lie. Um, and Tyreek Mitchell falls into that category. I think people said the same thing about Wan-Bissaka that... You know, when AWB first came into the team, he kind of was in and out. Joel Ward played a lot of minutes. He played Brighton, uh, if I remember correctly, which is a very weird choice. Ward got roasted that day as well. But I don't necessarily think that is a bad management from Roy. I think that there's nothing wrong with easing a player in, particularly when they have, you've got more experienced heads who can play and are more than capable of playing. Like, granted, PVA was not exactly at the peak of his powers when he uh, left Palace, but he was still, he still had a good game in him every now and then. I don't, and I don't think Mitchell was ready to play week in, week out. I think now we're kind of getting the fruits of that. Uh, he was eased in nicely in that season, got some good minutes towards the end of the year. And now Vieira has felt comfortable throwing him to the team full time. And I think he, now he's ready. But I think he's only just ready now. I think he's still learning, he's still adapting his game. And I completely understand why a manager like Roy would not necessarily want to throw Mitchell straight in at the deep end uh, against some big teams and some big games, especially in a COVID season, which was very weird, obviously. It took him ages to play in front of fans. And you know what? I think I think that's fine. I think I think it's proof now the way that Mitchell is performing for us, the way that he's nailed down that spot in the team completely is that Roy managed him well. I think that if Roy managed him badly, Mitchell wouldn't be ready to do what he's doing now. So for me, Mitchell was not Roy'd at all. I think Roy, if anything, helped him with his development uh, and helped make him uh, kind of make him become the player he is today. I'd also say the same thing about Wan-Bissaka, who's not on the list. People said he got Roy'd. Not at all. Wan-Bissaka got given his debut by Roy when he didn't have to, you know, that's another thing lobbied at Roy a lot. Is like, oh, we only played Mitchell because he had to. Well, that's not true because in the game that Mitchell played in, Riedewald and Schlupp both started. So they were, you know, if he didn't want to play Mitchell, he could have easily not played Mitchell. Wambasaka maybe not so much, but, you know, he was given his chance. They were both given their chance by Roy. They both played consistent league minutes under Roy. And ultimately we sold Wambasaka for 50 million quid while Roy was manager. And that was down to him. So Mitchell and Wambasaka, you did not get roy You got helped by Roy. You got roid in a good way. Uh, I don't know how to... You got you got steroid. There you go. That's, that's what I'm going to do uh, for those who got helped by Roy. Uh, next up, we've got Gyro Riedewald, who is a very interesting one. Um, now, if you'd asked me this at the start of 2020, I would have gone absolutely 100% roid. I thought Riedewald was class. 
to be honest. Um, there's no denying that he's got good ability on the ball. He can pick a pass. He's a very stylish looking player. But I mean, last season, he got a lot of minutes under Roy. And for large chunks, granted, he impressed. Um, particularly when he first came into the team, I think we were really missing a player like him. Um, but as time went on, I think holes in his game started to develop. I think that his his stamina isn't fantastic. I think that he's not that physical. Um, you know, he's done jobs in the team here and there, but it's very clear that um, Vieira doesn't rate him. This season in particular, against Chelsea, he was awful. I mean, it was a horrible game for him. I think he was playing in centre mid with uh, with Schlupp. And I think that was it. If I remember, it was a, we played a weird formation against them. I can't remember who I was playing, but he was poor in that. And he came on against Liverpool, was at fault for two goals. Riederwald has talent, definitely. And I stand by that. And I also think that in another league, he would potentially flourish. But I think the intensity of the Premier League just does not suit him. And I think that, you know, granted, I think Roy could have managed him better. And I think there are times where he was very, very clearly ignored. You know, he won player of the month playing left back. And then as soon as PVA was fit, Riederwald was just out of the team again, like with no consideration at all, which was poor, in my opinion. And we tried to sell him a few times. We even offered him to Swansea for IU. Like, we clearly didn't rate him. I don't think he's that bad. But I also don't think that we were missing a gem, in a sense, as much as I like Gyro. So, for me, he is he's neither, neither roid nor steroid. I think he's neutral. Uh, time will tell with Vieira. But I think it's always telling when two managers doesn't don't really rate him. Um, of course, it was a De Boer signing, which probably counts against him. Uh, in terms of like his credibility. So I'm going to go for a neither neither this nor that. He's neutral, neutroid uh, in this. But I am biased towards Jairo, so I can maybe lean towards Roy. But I won't, I won't, I won't. I won't. Next up, we have got Alexander Sordoff. Who remembers him? Um, one of the weirdest careers that I can remember. You know, he came to us from Michelin, actually, coincidentally. Uh, kind of a nice link there with Maya. Came to us, uh, 16 games in the league, zero goals. Uh, went to Ghent on loan uh, for a bit, scored four goals, did, did okay in 2019. And then 2019-20, went to on Sport and he absolutely tore it up. He scored 24 league goals in 34 games. He was linked to Real Madrid. Uh, he was linked to some of the biggest clubs in Europe, which was just insane because I watched him for Palace and basically did not see it at all. He just looked like he couldn't be asked. Um, he scored one goal against Swansea in the Cup. That was it. Uh, and he he turned into one of like Europe's hottest property. Since then, granted, he went to Leipzig. Uh, we got good money actually in the end, uh, having sold him. Uh, he went to Leipzig, scored five goals in twenty nine appearances. That's not bad. I mean, it's not great. Um, scored in the Champions League, uh, a winning goal last season in the group stage. I've just seen. That's a good thing to have in your CV. Since then, he's gone to Real Sociedad. Scored once in fourteen games. You know what? I think given his CV, you can say he was roid. He can clearly find the back of the net. He just didn't. But equally, I understand that he did not suit Roy's plan for a striker. Like he was, you know, look at the most productive striker under Roy was the three who played up front and did well there were really IU, uh, Wilf and Andros Townsend. Two of them hard, hard workers. Will very athletic. Sorloth was not a presser. He was a, he was a finisher and that just never suited Strikers under Roy, unfortunately. Um, Sorloff had talent, but his attitude was poor. I don't think he cared. I watched him a few times and thought, this guy is not good. 
Um, but granted, he wasn't given many opportunities. How can you prove yourself in not playing games? For him, for Thorloth, I'm going to go for Royd. I think that he's shown across Europe, he's shown in Turkey that he has talent. Granted, Turkey's not the greatest league in the world. I know Papi Cisse won player of the season that year, the year he was there, which kind of says a lot. Um, but he moved to Leipzig. Leipzig are a clever club. They would not sign someone who is a fraud, I don't think. And so for that reason, I think I'm going to have to say that the Sorloth was Royd. Anyone who gets signed by Leipzig in 2020 can't be that bad. Another striker who uh, kind of had a similar-ish time under Roy to Sorloth and who I keep on mentioning in these podcasts, it's still blowing my mind a little bit, is the newly permanent Palace striker Jean-Philippe Mateta, who we signed from May, Mainz, Mainz, that team in Germany last year. Um, when we signed him in Jan, I thought we'd sign basically the next Didier Drogba, uh, just because I watched a few YouTube compilations. He then started against Brighton scored an unbelievable back heel and that was the last we saw of him under Roy Hodgson um which is incredibly harsh to be fair equally he wasn't amazing when he played against the likes of Leeds when he came against Spurs he offered basically nothing but you know he had zero chance really I think he was unlucky Benteke hit form and when Benteke's in form you don't drop him it's just that simple um since then, obviously, Mateta this season has kind of played himself back into contention. He's just been signed on a permanent, obviously, which is, you know, it was originally um, read an agree- agreement in place with, with that team in Germany, who I'm not going to try to pronounce again. Uh, four and a half years we've signed him on. You don't sign someone for that long if you don't think they're any good. He's cu- he came in in December against Norwich, scored a goal, scored against Millwall in the Cup, got an assist against Liverpool. He was really good against West Ham when he came on. He's contributing a lot at the moment. And, you know, in a squad where Eduard and Benteke are both fit and firing, Mateta is the one who's currently the first choice striker. So for that reason, I'm going to say Mateta was Royd. It's, it's always difficult because it varies from manager to manager. I completely understand why Mateta was not a Roy Hodgson player when I see him now. But you've got to be flexible sometimes. And Mateta was young. He was hungry. And I think what Roy did probably really diminished his confidence. I think only now was he starting to get that back and we're starting to see Mateta at his absolute best. So... Jean-Philippe Mateta, you got Roy, but don't worry. Paddy V is here. He's taken you under his wing and you are flourishing again, my friend. Don't you worry about that. I know you're listening, by the way, JP. Love you. Okay, now we're getting into some juicy ones here. Some real, real ones up for debate. We've got Andros Townsend. Now, this might sound weird. Townsend was a real favourite of Roy. Everyone knows that. Painfully, towards the end of his Palace career, he was playing every week. Um, But after leaving Everton, Townsend did make quite a few comments about... Roy making him concentrate on the defensive side of the game, um, which granted Townsend was good at. He was very good in that system. He's a hardworking, honest player, but you know his output for Palace was not great. I think he had one decent season in eighteen nineteen. Even then, like it, it wasn't amazing. And when we signed Townsend, he was like a really, really productive Premier League winger. I think he'd just gone on loan to Newcastle. He tore it up there. We'd signed him. He fell out with Alan Pardews. Big Sam really liked him. Played him a lot. Um, you know, got him working hard up and down the wing, but he, he had end product as well. Uh, and then Roy came in. Roy did play him up front for long periods. Um, but the question is, is, could we have got more out of Andros Townsend while he was at Palace? I think the answer to that is yes. However, Roy did like him. Roy played him in very advanced positions. He gave him a lot of responsibility, particularly in that first season. Um and to be honest, just at times, Townsend just wasn't that good. Like, he missed guilt-edge, guilt-edge opportunities. 
his crossing was inconsistent. There were some games I remember, like he, he always wanted to get on the ball. A good memory of this is Burnley in lockdown when we lost 1-0 at Turf Moor. Townsend got on the ball so much, but he was dreadful. His crossing was awful. Nothing was going for him. And I thought it was a bit cheeky of him to complain about Roy uh, afterwards. I think, and you know what? He, I was going to say, I could say the same about Wilf. You know, both players were productive under Roy, whether, whether you like it or not. Their end product got a lot better. You know, you look at the numbers of goals and assists, particularly for Wilf. You know, Wilf had a double digit uh, goals and assist season in the same year. That, that's really good, objectively. And, and I don't think it's fair to dig Roy out for that. So for Townsend, I'm going to say he was he was not Royd, but he wasn't steroid. He was he was neutral. He was neutroid. I think that he, you know, he had a purple patch when he first joined Everton. But is that Andros Townsend? Do you know what I mean? Like, has he kept that up? No, he hasn't. I think now Van der Beek and Deli Ali have signed for them. He's going to be out of the team again. Like, he's going to be out of favour. I, I just don't think that you can say definitively that that Townsend would have been better off with another manager because his output was decent and I don't think Townsend is that good. So for me, no, neutroid for Andrus Townsend. Next up, oh, we have got a juicy one. Eberieze, who joined us last year, struggled to get into the team initially. Uh, by the end of the year, was undoubtedly a key member of the team. Unfortunately, got injured. Um, but initially, Eze was struggling for game time. It was only really like New Year time after the Sheffield United goal where he started playing consistently and he found his feet uh, in a Roy Hodgson team. This is another difficult one because I wanted Eze to play more than he did. I did not understand why we kept benching him, especially in a team that was lacking quality. Equally, it was Schlupp playing in that position and Schlupp is good in that position and was trusted by Roy. He could have played earlier, Eze, I think. Um, however, I think the way he was eased in was good. And again, you just look at how Eze was playing. I don't think it's fair to say, oh, Roy's holding him back. Look how good he is. I, I don't think that's fair. Like Eze was partly how as good as he was or is because of Roy's mentorship and how Roy moulded him into a Premier League player. You know, people people said, oh, well, Eze shouldn't be doing defensive work. Eze should should be free number 10 role with no responsibilities. Look, that... In a dream world, yeah, but that's not Premier League football. Every single player has to do their defensive work, even strikers, even wingers these days. And I th- don't think there are many better to learn about the de- defensive side of the game than Roy Hodgson. Now, do you want Roy Hodgson, you know, dictating your, your game plan every week? Maybe not. But in terms of learning from a manager and learning that side of the game, I think Roy was actually perfect for Eze when he first came into the league. And he would have picked up a lot of skills, which he wouldn't have otherwise had, I think, in terms of... Uh, you know, just just structure and, and defensive tracking and stuff like that, which will serve him well if he wants to play as an eight under Vieira, which hopefully he will in the future. Um, and again, look, I understand that he was playing in a negative system, but I don't think Eze was necessarily negative. I think that, you know, he was encouraged to run with the ball. Uh, he was encouraged to, to, you know, take players on, to shoot, to cross, to, to make things happen. He was, a, he was a primary outlet for us uh, at the back, at the, at the beginning of 2021. So for me, no, I'm not. I'm not saying Eze got roid. I think if anything, he got steroid. I think that he he became a better player as a result of Roy Hodgson's tutelage, and that might be really unpopular, but that that's my that's my take on it. I think that he has become a better rounded Premier League footballer because of Roy Hodgson. So. Yeah, obviously, please feel free to tweet me and tell me I'm deluded. But that's my take and I'm sticking with it. Second to last, 
we've got Christian Benteke, who had a very productive season the year before Roy joined. He scored 17 goals in all competitions. Uh, and then Roy joined. He got injured fairly quickly. Uh, and, you know, after that, he was a bit of an infamous player. Um, what was given chances... Uh, had chances in games and just could not finish for love nor money. He only really found any form at the back end of last season uh, in Roy's last spell as manager when he was fully trusted and played a lot. Um, now, this is an interesting one because, look, Benteke's form nosedived when Roy came in. But, you know, knowing what we know now, looking back, I think a lot of that is injury. I think that Benteke was forced to play barely fit uh, through most of 17-18. Um, that destroyed his confidence. Like It was just a knock-on effect of things. And, and I'm not having that he didn't have chances because he played a lot under Roy. And I loved Benteke. Like, people who, who follow me on Twitter now, it's a bit of a meme that apparently I hate Benteke. Um, and I called him a donkey once. Yeah, I get it, I know. But I really loved Benteke when he first joined. I was his biggest fan. But it basically just became impossible for me to defend him. Um, and that was because he was missing chances. He was getting chances and missing them. I remember so clearly Liverpool at home in seventeen eighteen. He missed two absolute sitters in the space of two minutes. We lose 2-1. It's basically down to Benteke. And that happened so many times. Even this season against Leeds, you know, he he missed a free header back post. and We lose the game 1-0. For that reason, like th- that has nothing to do with the manager that he's missing those chances. That is down to him. And granted, I don't think Roy necessarily played to his strengths. Benteke is the best header of the ball, I think, in the Premier League to this day. And we never put any crosses into him. And then when Andros Townsend and Will played up front, we were swinging crosses in like there was no tomorrow. It didn't make any sense. But I still don't think that Benteke necessarily took the chances he had and didn't, didn't really do anything to nail down a place in his team until the end of last season. Um I think injury is more to blame and confidence is more to blame. I don't think Roy mismanaged him for the most part. Uh, he gave him a lot of chances when I definitely wouldn't have played him. And I think a lot of people wouldn't have done. He stuck by him for a lot of it. And, and ultimately, Benteke came out the other side of a very tough period of his career um, with Roy Hodgson as manager and when, when he was you know back to his best, I would say. So I'm not having that Benteke got Royed. I don't think he got steroid, apart from maybe towards the end of his career at uh, Palace, Roy's career, that is. He's a neutroid for me. I think that... I get why people blame Roy, but I just think the time is a coincidence. You might call me biased, but that, that's my take on it. And last, but certainly not least, we have the man who kicked the podcast off, Max Meyer, who joined us from Schalke in 2018 as the player who, I mean, I could not believe we signed him. It was Max Meyer. Like, this guy was sought after by Arsenal, by Liverpool, by United, by Spurs, literally the year before. And now he was joining Palace on a free. Like, how the hell have we managed to do this? He's taken us to Europe. He didn't get much of a chance under Roy initially at all. Um, And you know what? One thing I will say is it's a myth that Max Meyer did not play many games for Palace. People say, oh, he was always on the bench. He was always blah, blah, blah. He was always blah, blah, blah. That, that just isn't true. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting the stats up right now. In 2018-19, he played 29 games for us. Granted, a lot of them subs. I'm not going to deny that. 2019-20, he played another 17. Like, he he was playing games. He played, what, 46 times for Palace in the league. That's a lot. That is plenty of opportunities. In, tw- in 46 appearances, he got one goal. And I can't even remember who that was against. But he got one goal. And that was in 2018-19. It was, a, it was evident with Max Meyer that he had talent, right? 
really nice dribbler, could keep the ball moving quickly, clean passer, play some nice little slide draw passes. However, generally speaking, he did not live up to the Max Meyer that I hoped he would. Like, realistically, it was probably unrealistic as of... I mean, that was a silly use of unrealistically and realistically. It was unrealistic of fans to expect him to be the player that Schalke had when he was at the Bernabeu with Schalke when he was 19, tearing it up. Like, he obviously was not the same player, otherwise they wouldn't, wouldn't have let him leave. You know, he was playing in a different role, granted, but I think Meyer was really starting to lose his way um, and Palace just didn't work out for him. I think Roy probably played a part in that. Don't get me wrong. However, particularly towards like the end of 18-19, when he started games, he just didn't have an impact. Like off, off the bench, he was actually good. Like he made some some really telling contributions. I remember Brighton at home, the 1-1. He came off the bench and completely changed the game. But then, you know, would start the following week and would be anonymous. Like, and I know he's playing off the left and the left in a 4-4-2, but Eze played in that role and thrived. Like, I just think that there's a whole thing that Max Meyer needs to be played in the perfect position, in the perfect team. And it was like, but he's not. Like, if a player is good, he will shine. Like, his, he will shine through that, you know, he's a talent. And Max Meyer, you know, supposedly was meant to be playing as an eight. Like, if he was an eight, he can play on the left in a 4-4-2. MacArthur played there and did well. Loftus-Cheek, like, very different players played in that role and, and excelled. Um, but Meyer just couldn't make it happen. And look, since then, he's gone on to, to Cologne, did nothing. Fedebache did nothing. And now he's at Michelin. And look, granted, I, I saw someone tweet me saying that he lost valuable development years at Palace. I will give you that. That's very true. However, I think he was declining before that. I think that he was given chances. You know, he played nearly 30 games in his first season. I, that's a lot. You know, Roy was giving him chances and he had chances, which he just didn't take. Like, I, again, I wanted it to work with him, but it just didn't. So for me, he was not Roy'd at all. He just unfortunately declined. I think it was it was a match which didn't work, but I don't think you can blame Roy for Meyer's decline. I think that it just wasn't for him. It wasn't, it was no one's fault that things didn't work out with Meyer. It just didn't work out. Uh, that's That's the way I see it. Uh, again, I know Max Meyer fanboys are going to be in my DMs, in my mentions, telling me I'm an absolute fraud. But that's my take. I, I just don't think Max Meyer turned into the player that he, he could and maybe should have done. If there are any other players you think that I should have included in this list, do let me know. I briefly touched on Mambasaka. I think Wilf is maybe someone you could talk about. Jordan Ayew, he certainly got steroid, I think. Um, any other players you think of, do tweet me, let me know. Let's continue discussion on Twitter. I'm all for doing that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please do follow me on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter as well, at TalkCPFC. Uh, have a good rest of the week, everyone. I'll see you all at the weekend for a Hartlepool review, hopefully saying we're into the next round of the cup. But I'm not jinxing anything, so I'll cut it all off. Okay, thank you very much. Bye.